hello, hello, and welcome again to another episode of Behind the Scene Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a very special guest with us, Kendra Wiest, owner of Perfectus Business Consulting. Good morning, or good afternoon. Or good day. Good day. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for taking your time to be here. I really appreciate it. So, as we uh, get started, we always start with your story. So I'm excited to hear the beginnings of Kendra Wiest as an entrepreneur. Okay. All the way back to the beginning? Let's go. Okay. All right. If you can do it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, okay. So my first entrepreneurial experience was uh, shortly after my parents' divorce. I was nine years old, and I was mostly taking care of my seven-year-old sister. Um, I remember we lived in a small trailer park. Um, we were struggling. I knew we were poor, but I didn't quite understand what that meant. So I just remember my mom coming home one day, and she was crying, and I, and I was like, Mom, why are you crying? And she was like, nothing, nothing, it's fine. And I said, Mom, why are you crying? And she's like, well, I only made, I only made $225 this month. And, you know, like my nine-year-old brain says, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of dollars. Oh, yeah, no kidding. But, but then she said, well, our rent is 150 so I kind of started calculating. Like, I knew how much a box of Lucky Charms cost. <laughs> so I was, like, thinking, okay, so maybe there's something I can do to help out. And so the next day, and she worked pretty far away, so we were alone, especially during the summer times, uh, for a lot of the day. Anyway, so the next day, my sister and I gathered up all of our toys, and we put them in the middle of the room, and we went through these toys that we had. And, and I'm talking, like, McDonald's toys and toys that you just... Like, we just didn't need any more or, gosh, like, pretty much just garbage. Gotcha. Right? Like a bracelet. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and so we loaded up all these toys that we didn't want anymore, and we put them in uh, pillowcases. And then we walked around this trailer park and, and knocked door to door and asked these ladies if they wanted to buy a toy from us for maybe 10 cents or 20 cents or 30 cents. And thinking back now as an adult... Thinking about back to, I remember the look on some of their faces, <laughs> <laughs> and my thought now is, they were probably thinking, my goodness, what are these girls doing out here alone in the middle of this neighborhood that is not a good neighborhood, mm-hmm. trying to sell their toys? And I remember a few of the ladies, they would give us like a few extra pennies or a couple dimes or whatever, and so that was really the first time I understood how to make money, and I made three dollars and forty nine cents. Wow. And I just thought that that was the best day in the world. That's so cool. Best day ever. <laughs> so, so it kind of started there. Uh, understood that, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're going to sell something, a product, whatever it is, you've just got to get out there. Mm-hmm. And you have to be visible. And you have to do the hard work. Um, and in addition to that, my dad was a life insurance agent at the time. He had gone from construction builder to logger. So one day he showed up with a, a suit coat, a mm-hmm. white shirt and a black tie, and this big heavy 1980s briefcase. Oh boy! And he's like, oh, "I'm a life insurance salesperson now." <laughs> and so I just really kind of got to see this understanding of, uh, you know, just hitting the ground running and mm-hmm. talking to people and getting that visibility that you need. So it kind of started there, and then when I was in my early 20s, we were in a situation. I had two small children. We were in a situation where we just really needed to make money, 
and I was working for a packing company who said to me, why don't you just start your own? You can contract through the moving companies. And I was like, well, that's a really good idea. And I was young enough to not understand what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was not scared. <laughs> and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just was pretty naive about what it was like to open a business. I didn't have any resources. Nobody was there to help me. Um, so I just went out and applied for a business license. And, and I did the estimates. I'd walk into the house. I'd make contacts. Uh, we would pack up the houses. I hired a team. I learned really, really early and quickly how hard it is to hire a good team. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was just hooked. That's cool. Yeah, I worked for a corporation for a while. They put me through business classes. I've opened a couple mm-hmm. other businesses. I uh, worked for 911 for some time. And that's a whole other story in itself. But <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And it just really kind of, you know, kept getting up to this point where around 2014, people started coming to me asking me questions about, you know, oh, how do you open a brewery? Or how do you go through this process? Or... Like, what does it look like to hire a good team? Mm-hmm. And I had gone through some leadership courses and stuff, so that was really helpful. And then around 2018, when I was helping some businesses, maybe 2019, this guy came up to me and said, you've got some really good information. Why don't you get paid for this? And I was like, oh, that's a really great idea. <laughs> Why don't I get paid for it? Nice. Because I was always in this mindset that I had to work for somebody else, even though Mm -hmm. that's not where my heart was, Mm -hmm. but I just had this belief that I needed to work for somebody else. So if I was owning a business and making money at it, that that was a failure, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Totally switched now, but. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, So then I I did. I, I worked on my own for a while, and then I worked with Action Coach for a while, and now I'm back out on my own, and it's bigger and better than ever. Nice. And I agree with that. I sat in on one of your, um, uh, like a quarterly planning, goal planning, goal planning workshops. workshop. Mm-hmm. Very informative. It was, it was, I've been in a few of those over the years and this one actually had action. I was super excited. Oh, I know. That's really good to hear. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's great. Anyway, good takeaways. So, um, I think we covered your business journey. I don't think we need to go any farther there, but right. what, what, what was the point in your life where you pivoted from um, being who you are and where you're at in business today? Like, was there a little switch that went off in Kendra's head that said, okay, I, this is what I was born to do, or what was that like? Mm, How yeah. did you know? How did I know that yeah, what I was the own f- a business? Yeah, like you were making the the remark about feeling like you were nobody if you owned your own business. Oh. So when when did that change? Like what Yeah, that wasn't like a light switch moment. That was just a lot of processes and uh, just kind of processing and understanding, taking classes, really hmm. working on mindset. It's cool you can't really put your finger on it. It was kind of like a It was a journey. A journey. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to say the same for me. I guess I, I started in business out of necessity. It wasn't necessarily um, that I had an aha moment that I was going to be an entrepreneur. In the career that I had previously, I did know I wanted to be an owner, but I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I just knew that my boss was an owner, and I wanted to be there at some point. But in blue collar, you don't retire. You quit and move on. <laughs> it's brutal. Sometimes, blue collar is yeah. pretty brutal on Very the body. Often. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, so Perfectus Business Consulting. I'm curious about Perfectus. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the name and maybe a little bit about your business? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, the name and the logo were really fun. I can tell. I There's a story. With, yeah, there is a story. <laughs> I worked with a branding agency uh, for a while, and we just dove really deep into what does a business name look like? And, of course, my maybe my age has something to do with it, but you know, I kept thinking, well, Northwest. We're in the Northwest. Or let me choose a really cool name like Elevate or mm-hmm. Transcend or, like, you know, words that I probably – felt like we're familiar and they kind of meant something. And so they challenged me. They said, we're not doing that. Smart. <laughs> and they said, we're going to come up, you need to come up with something that, uh, that stands out, that people stop and they ask questions mm-hmm. about. And he gave me some other guidelines. And so, man, there was some soul searching. I think I had probably 120 different business names at one point just going through Sounds there. about right. So then he said why don't you think about leadership animals? Like, this has just been on my mind lately. Why don't you think about leadership animals? And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> so I did. Interesting. I did. And so I started, like, just researching leadership animals and what that looks like and who they are. And chimpanzees are leadership animals. Mm-hmm. Well, elephants are lead- leadership animals. And I've always just absolutely loved elephants and what they stand for. And so somehow that brought me into the Latin terms for words. So elephus is the Latin term for elephant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, Why not? <laughs> I didn't like the word. <laughs> and um, so I think like maybe three o'clock in the morning, one, one morning I was like, oh, I should look up Latin words for business. Mm-hmm. So I just started, I started researching things and perfectus came up as a Latin word for the, for the term where it has the meaning of growth, progress, and profit. Mm-hmm. Perfectus means those things. And I was like, that encompasses everything that I want to help somebody do, plus more. Awesome. So that's what I came up with. And cool. then the elephant, of course, with the logo. Elephants are leadership animals. Mm-hmm. The female elephant is, uh, they are kind of the matriarch of, well, they're kind of in charge. Queen bee. Pretty much, mm-hmm. of the community of elephants. And they stand for loyalty, prosperity, and community. And I was like, man, those things are just so fitting. They all aligned. Yeah, they yeah. all aligned and it all matched. Then we sent out to a crowdsourcing all of the guidelines that we wanted for a logo. And I want to say we probably got 200 and some Whoa. logos back through the crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole other process in itself. Like, what do you want your elephant to look like? We want it to look simple, but kind of fun because business should be fun and mm-hmm. I can be professional when it's time to be professional, but most of my life is spent having fun because <laughs> life is too short not to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so that's how the elephant came about. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us how you motivate yourself. How does the entrepreneurial itch tie into your story? Like you've had a long history of um, I, I can do these things and then you turn into an entrepreneur and now you're a business owner. So... Like, I, I guess we know how that ties in your story, but how do you motivate yourself to get up and keep going in the morning? Mm, that's a good question. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, partly because I'm just so excited about making an impact for people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what gets me up in the mornings is I get to get up and work with people and then see the progress that they make. And then when, when we have a coaching session and they have reached a goal 
where they get to maybe save some time or maybe they got to spend more time with their family or maybe they took a vacation for two weeks and they haven't taken a vacation in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I get at least as excited as they do. And then they sit there and they tell me their vision and their story and I'm like, oh man, I just want to be there with you. Like that's so exciting and I believe that you can do it. And then I have the tools that can help them get there. So that's part of what gets me up. Um, that's part of what what motivates me. As far as like the day-to-day stuff, like I don't always like to do what I do uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to maybe the things that... Okay, there's a story about Oprah Winfrey, right? I was reading, I was reading a book about this, and they were talking about 95% of the things that... Um, that really famous people do, mm-hmm. they aren't really things that they enjoy doing. So you've got somebody like Oprah Winfrey who's on stage and she's giving away cars and she's you know motivating people and getting people excited. She probably loves that mm-hmm. piece of it. But flying in the airplane, doing the prep work, um, you know, so many of the other things that she has to do, it's not always that much fun. Yeah. And that's kind of how it is here too, right? Like when I'm not working with clients, if there's like an administrative thing that I have to do or some sort of just anything mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not quite as fun, uh, what motivates me to get it done is that I am able to look at the big picture again and then say, okay, but if I do this, then this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I do have somebody that motivates me too. You know, we, we all innately know a lot of the things that we're supposed to get done. Mm-hmm but we don't want to do it. So by having somebody on the outside looking in, for me anyway, uh, knowing that I'm going to have to meet with them in the next couple days, like that helps motivate me to get some of my stuff done and hold me accountable. That's the one side of coaching that people don't understand. And once it's happening, you know the benefits of it. So there's, I've heard some, I've heard some conversation over time. Um, I'm a loyal procrastinator. I'm, I'm really good at it. That's probably one of my biggest successes is procrastination. Perfect. But it works in my favor. Like, I, I feel like when I'm under pressure and I'm, uh, there's a really close deadline, some of my best ideas have come up. And I think, I've, I, to me, it's like, um, that's the way I'm made. And I've heard others say the same thing. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you're not alone. That's for sure. Most people, pretty much everybody, needs pressure in order to make change. So they talk a lot about, um, uh, okay, you've heard of the story about the frog. You put the frog in boiling water and it's going to what? Jump out? Mm -hmm. If you put a frog in cold water and then heat it up slowly, it stays. So if we, as people, if we don't feel the pressure over time, then there's not much that we're going to do to change. Gotcha. When you match up with the coach that provides the right amount of pressure. Like you don't want that frog to jump out, right? Mm-hmm. You want them to do something. You want them to move and uh, maybe get out of the way or <laughs> for, yeah. for business owners, it's, hey, this is the vision that you created. These are the goals that we have worked on together. Now let's implement those. Um, and that coach is there to help provide enough pressure so that that business owner can make the changes faster mm-hmm. than they could on their own. Because they know that they're going to meet with that coach soon. And, oh, man, i got to get that done. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's good. 
So let's just jump right into this. Why do business owners need a consultant, a business consultant or a business coach? Like what would be the um, 30,000 foot view of, okay, you've got successful, I'll use heavy air quotes for anyone listening, Mm -hmm. successful business owner and they're doing well. Why would they need a coach? Well, that is a good question. (laughs) I think we're going to get a good answer. Okay, so business coaches and consultants, they are able to look at, kind of like you said, they're able to look at your business from a 30-foot view or mm-hmm. 30,000-foot view, right? They hopefully, if you pick the right coach, have enough information and updated information because business changes. You know, it's not the same that it was 10 or 20 years ago. It's not even the same it was as it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you match with a business coach that has the education and knowledge and can look at it from the outside and say, hey, just just adjust this a little bit because the business owner is in it. It's mm-hmm. just like in football and you've got a quarterback, right? He can't see when his arm goes back. He can't see the way that his arm is moving or mm-hmm. it, it, he's holding the ball. So his coach says, hey, why don't you just adjust it this way? And it can make such a big difference in... It can it can mean winning or losing right. the game, and it's the same thing with business. It can be it can literally mean winning or losing that that business. I've heard it said that Tiger Woods didn't get as good as he is just by himself. He had twenty coaches all his life. Yeah, one person's <laughs> watching one part of every little thing he does, and then they mm-hmm. combine. Uh, it's a group effort. Mm-hmm. They combine forces. Yeah, I know I know business owners that have four different coaches. Mm-hmm. Right, they've got a mindset coach, they've got a financial coach. Uh, maybe a culture coach, you know, just different coaches that can work together. And we can talk about that later, but that's one of my goals. Nice. So I I can't wait. Interesting. Before I hired a coach, I was ashamed to tell anybody I was about to. Once I had a coach, I was ashamed to tell people I had one because I don't even know why. But then after like six months, when I first had a coach, I was learning so many things that you probably wouldn't even need to know, but you're happy you do. But it changed the attitude I had it in my business. And it had an infectious effect. Like people started seeing a change in the business, um, my employees and things like that. And it just started coming out. Well, my coach said we should do this. And they're like, oh, you're seeing a coach? Well, that's cool. It was mind-blowing. Like why would people think that's cool? And it's probably the same point you had is like you felt weak being a business owner. You thought you had to work for somebody. And to me, I was put into business uh, by, not by choice, but by a necessity. And when the business got big and I had to really pay attention to what's going on, then it was like, okay, I need help. I got to figure this out. And I'd seen other people gaining quick in their business. And I'd ask them, oh, yeah, we started seeing a coach. (laughs) Okay, well, I need that. So anyway, I don't know if that helps anybody, but... makes any sense at all but it's kind of right down that thread of procrastination um it's a it's a human weakness that we're all built with and some have it worse than others and then that shame or guilt that you didn't know something that you know you should have and now you're finding it out by a simple coaching session (laughs) it's weird anyway no that's really really helpful and uh i mean again and in any kind of sports or any kind of business if you want to get farther than you could on your own. You should mm-hmm. have a coach. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. 
So how do people know they need one? Well, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes they don't know that they need one. And I didn't. I didn't know I needed one. Yeah. Um, how do they know? Well. And maybe reverse that. When, when should they be thinking, you know what, I need a coach? Okay. That's, that's actually a really good question because I have worked with so many different people. Like I've worked with startups and I've worked with business owners that have been in business for two years and 10 years and 20 years. Um, and I would say kind of the, the leading point for that is the first section of that is um, they've been in business for a couple of years and they're sure they want to be business owners. Gotcha. There's a big gap in... And, you know, you talk about, oh, oh, there's so many failed businesses within the first five years. A portion of that, to be honest, a portion of that is that somebody says, gosh, I don't like working for this company. I could do it better on my own. And then they get into the business ownership and they become a technician, like we've all talked about with like the e-myth and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. right? And they get a couple of years into it and they're like, I don't actually like this. Yeah. I want to just be the technician. I don't want to have to do the business ownership things. And so I have had conversations several times with people that are like, well, I want to grow my business, but they don't actually, <laughs> they just want to work in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine if that's what they want. But generally what happens is they decide, oh, I, since I don't want to do this business ownership stuff, I'm just going to go back and work for a company. So that's one piece. So they've been in business for a couple of years and they're like, yes, I want to be that business owner. I want to level up, but mm-hmm. I don't. And I'm really good at being the technician. I'm really good at brewing beer. I'm really good at uh, creating websites, anything like that, mm-hmm. right? But I, I don't understand this stuff, and I want to start having some freedom back. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So <laughs> I've always felt like, so in, in my business journey, um, I came from blue collar and then I was indoctrinated, if you, if you would say that, um, into business ownership by chance topic for another show. But the end result is I started doing all these cool things because of necessity mm-hmm. and then platforms are changing and things are getting, this is all social media, by the way, in 2010. So it was before social media was cool. And then platforms started changing and got into photography and business owner Doyle had to go figure out how to do photos. And as I was in that process, I loved photography and I didn't even know that it was a thing before I started it, right? And I remember telling my wife, like, I hope the business doesn't succeed so I can just be a full-time photographer. Mm-hmm. I loved it that much. And yet I was having all these successes on the internet and I knew I could tie the two together and I ended up doing that. Then it was like, okay, well, pictures aren't enough, so we have to get into graphics, and we have to get into video. And I started loving all of it. And I can't do everything, right? And so that's when I was like, okay, I have to hire people smarter than me to go do this. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I couldn't do was let go of photography. And I think that's the, the you'll hear my wife say, if you would have let that go sooner, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Mm-hmm. It would have been better. Mm-hmm. And I had a very wise person that wasn't a business coach, but... A, a very um, prominent business person, um, I was making this complaint, and he goes, well, why don't you hire somebody to manage and run your business so you can be the photographer for it? 
And it was kind of an aha moment, like, oh, crud, I need to go do something about this problem, you know. And then my wife was like, well, you don't have to give up a camera. You can give up photography and run the business well and then be a photographer on the side. And so that's what's happened. Weird, though. So then after I get a coach, it was like, I should have done this the second I was having these weird feelings about wanting to be a photographer instead of a business owner. Because now that I know what I know, um, my art is business. I love every aspect of the business part of it. And it's more um, fascinating to me than making cool stuff for the internet. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And you're right. Uh, when it comes down to, like, like, that's another piece of, like, hey, do I need a business coach right now? It's when you're at that why. Do I continue to do this thing that I've been doing, or is it time for me to go over here? Yeah. And, again, having that outside view to kind of listen to all of the different pieces and have them put together and have somebody ask you the right mindset questions, that can really give you clarity on, oh, well, yeah, this is the direction I need to go. The other piece to that that I would say, and my son was, he was a great testament to this, um, he loves working on cars. He Good guy. Loves it, right? Love it. Yeah, he, he really got into it. Uh, you know, specific makes and models that he just, he really got into. And so then he was like, well, I could make a business out of this. So he was. He was making some money at it, right? He would, he would buy a car. He'd fix it up really nice, and then he'd sell it. And he came up to me about a year later, and he said, I think I just made my hobby into my job, yep. and I don't like this anymore. I don't want to hate my hobby so with your photography, if that's what you love, don't make it so that it's your full-time gig. Make it so that it's you're doing it at a time that you choose to. Yeah. And everything's about balance. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh -huh. <laughs> still working on that one. I, I still run on the thread of paranoia that I'll never have balance in my life. But it's okay. I mean, I've made business my life, and I've worked around it. And so, yeah, I have on the outside, I have balance, but in my mind and in my heart, I'm working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's the way I like to think. But we've figured <laughs> yeah, but it you out. you got to take a break. Crack we'll talk code. about that later. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, so I think that the question to that answer is when there is an intersection of I was, I loved what I did, I turned it into a business, now I hate it. Mm -hmm. Get a coach, because you won't hate it. Mm -hmm. You just need to understand and unlock what's going on. And don't ask loved ones for advice. That's when you're going to get every piece of bad advice you can imagine from the most loving people in your life. And they don't mean to hurt you, but you're going to make a wrong decision. Hire a coach. Yeah, that's true. And the other, the other thing I would say to that is when you're at a point in your business where you're starting to think to yourself. Now, and like as a business coach, I can walk up to somebody at any point and say, well, what if you were to die tomorrow? What's going to happen to your business? <laughs> The number one question of a coach. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but somebody has to be ready. Somebody has mm -hmm. to be ready to actually think about that question and actually answer that question. So when somebody gets to the point where they say, you know, it's, maybe it's time for me to do some succession planning. Maybe it's time for me to really think, gosh, I'm working 50 to 70 hours a week. I don't like this. I'm giving myself another job. What's the next step so that I can have that freedom back? I can take some time out and, you know, balance my life better. Uh, those are the times when a, a coach can really come in and, and help them propel forward. Agreed. Awesome. Good. That was a good conversation. I love it. Yeah, me too. 
So the right time to get a coach is now, right away, make it happen. <laughs> yep. It, the better, the better remark to our conversation we just had is, don't wait until you figure out you hate business. If you're going into business, get a coach. Mm-hmm. It's it honestly the trial by fire with a coach is probably better than going to business school. Mm-hmm. That would be my. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've worked with people that have an, that have MBAs. Mm-hmm. They come to me to coach because and and PhDs because. They understand that school is really important. Uh, they learn some really good things at school, but the implementable real-life stuff is out here. And then you enter time and chance. So you've got, you've got your business moving forward, and your things change every week. And then you have a coach with an extra set of eyeballs maybe changing the swing you had two years ago. Yeah, yeah, oh. right. This is good. I love it. Um, so how can you understand my business or industry? I took this right off your website. And well, you're going to put me on the spot. Well, I'm not because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you the answer that was on your website. You're an expert in your industry, meaning me, not the coach. Mm-hmm. Consultants are experts on business principles and development, setting, achieving goals, mindset changes, uh, mindset challenges, guidance, et cetera, et cetera. And I love this part. We don't do the work for you, but instead teach you how, to, how and where to fish. Care to elaborate? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a difference, right? If you get into a specific business industry and they have industry coaches, there's nothing wrong with, with a person going with that industry coach for a while. What I've found is that uh, a, somebody that works with several different industries, um, they have a kind of an, a more expansive knowledge of basic of business principles that work across most industries so you know if, if you've got that one person that's got three or four coaches maybe they have an industry coach and, and a perfectus coach right mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that and so my job is as a coach is to provide somebody with the information and skills that they need so that they can use it for a lifetime so when we're in a coaching session and you might have noticed this too I don't always give people the answer right up front. Mm-hmm. I will question. I'll ask other questions. I'll ask more questions, maybe why, like six different times. Because once somebody really gets to the heart of why they're going to make the decision or they kind of, it creates that space for an aha moment for them. Because when it's impactful like that and when they get that aha moment, that's when they learn how to fish and where to fish and what type of pole to use and what type of fish they're fishing for, what kind of lure to use, all the different things that make that work for them because it soaks it in and then they can use it forever. Perfectly said. And that's true. On the, on the inside of coaching, now that I've been through it for a couple of years, 100% true. And there is value in understanding, um, we were talking about industry-specific coaching. There, there is value in that. And it, and one would have to ask, well, what do they know that I don't? And it would have to be something tactical, like a way to sell different, a way that they've proven works and go check the reviews. Um, that's been my downfall is I think it's a great idea because I saw it on YouTube mm-hmm. and you dig a little bit and you see that five people did it in five years. Probably not a good way to go. But if, if you have an industry-specific coach that's doing it and they're doing it really well, and they've had 180 successes in one year, might be something to go invest in. Start with a white white paper download that's free. See how it feels. Mm-hmm. 
do the webinar, see how it feels. Just don't go hire right away. I would argue hiring a business coach is probably more important for the long haul. And secondly, go get an industry-specific coach that you're bringing knowledge to the table with your coach. Sure. I think that would be... I mean, they can be helpful. I would say the most specific information that I've seen from industry coaches is... Uh, okay, a good good example would be a construction company that I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I could motivate them and I could help them increase their revenue and profits and leads and you know, hire an amazing team and get all those pieces in place. But when it came to specific construction related processes, that's where I didn't I didn't have enough knowledge, like to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. So they hired an industry coach to come in and say, okay, well, these are the things that you need for systems. Here's some templates and really helpful information. And they used that coach for just a short time and then they were done. Nice. So that's where industry coaches can really help. Yeah. It shouldn't be the most expensive part of your coaching. The, the industry? The coaches. industry specific. It should be temporary. It should be temporary, yeah. yeah. It's cool. Uh, on your website, you said it mentions that you're dedicated to helping business owners transform their lives and achieve their goals. Can you give some details or advice on how coaching will impact an owner for their actual life? Yeah. Yeah. I just, oh man, (laughs) this is where, this is where it gets really exciting for me because this is where I get to see the progress and where they come back to me with their wins. And, oh, like, again, I just get right there with them. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see, a couple, uh, let's see here, a couple um, examples, right? Okay, so I was working with, uh, with one client. Um, I want to say they're in the, I'm trying, trying to give out enough information without. I understand. <laughs> okay. You're doing good. Um, they work in an industry that is service-based, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, they're making a bit of money. They're doing pretty well. And, but they, they kept having team problems. They kept, uh, people kept leaving. And then they had one employee that was really just causing some problems. And so we had a lot of conversations about that. And I said, you know, this is the third time that this person has done this, this thing. Do you think that that's a good idea? Because we had already talked about maybe letting that, that person go a couple times. And so then I had to get real with this this client and I was like you really just need to let them go because I want them to come up to their own conclusion mm-hmm. but sometimes it's, it's just you just kind of have to tell them right mm-hmm. so they so they made the decision um, maybe three or four weeks later to let them go and they called me the next week and they said I feel so much better I feel so much relief the team is like absolutely amazing they're coming up to me now with, with this information that I had no idea was going on behind the scenes that was terrible. And I've even got outside people calling me to say, oh, man, this is so great that you let this person go. Um, you know, like, we didn't want to work with them, and we were thinking about not working with you anymore. Ooh. Yes. And it's a hard decision to make. Yeah. It's such a hard decision to make that to, to know that, oh, gosh, I might have to fire this guy. But when you wake up the next day, if you feel relief, that's probably a good decision. Yeah. Right? So I got to see that progress. I got to see this person just say, 
I feel so much relief and I actually am saving time now and my employees are happier and they're more productive and uh, maybe I will get to take that vacation in six months from now, right? Mm-hmm. So the, that, like that kind of transformation. Got it. And that information they get to use in the future. So when mm-hmm. they see these things happen again if, with anybody, hopefully it doesn't, but, um, but if they do see those things happen, they can knock it out right away. Yeah. And they don't have to suffer. Business owners lose like six to 12 months worth of revenue just with one toxic employee. Mm -hmm. It's brutal. It's awful. It's brutal. I lost a lot of people over one person. And the day that person went out the door forever, uh, retention went right up. And the reason that person went out the door is coming up here soon, but it was because I've implemented team culture. And I had two people leave right on the spot. I was, I was like, we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. That's kind of fun. Yeah, um, so explain to our listeners the importance of delegation. I've had coaches in my life, and they've always said, why are you doing that? Delegate. Mm-hmm. Please explain. Did they ever explain why you needed to delegate? Yeah, but I want to hear you say it. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just like, delegate that right now. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So a couple things, right? Uh, One of the things that I work on with clients is called the focus circle. And within that focus circle, we create the three main things that they're supposed to be working on. Whatever else they're doing in their business should eventually be delegated. And I'm not saying, oh, you have to delegate all 15 of those things tomorrow, unless you can, but (laughs) probably not, right? Um, I bet half of them, seven and a half of those could probably go right now to someone else. Okay. Uh, That would be... That'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. At least four. So if you're spending time looking up on YouTube how to be a bookkeeper for six hours in a day, and and we could talk about the value of time if you want to, but if your value of time is worth more than that six money-wise, if it's worth more than what you were doing with the YouTube, Mm -hmm. um, what else could you have done with that six hours at your value of time that you could have actually made more revenue and maybe just hired a bookkeeper and it, they would have cost a fraction of the amount of that value. Well said. That's delegation. That is delegation in 100%. a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, delegating is somebody that I have in the business already and they could do the task. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case because after learning what you can do through coaching, um, there's outside resources, bookkeepers, attorneys, things that you don't have to hire. You can hire, but they won't be on staff. They won't cost you employment tax, et cetera, et cetera. And virtual assistants. I just got onto that here in the last little bit, and it's, it's quite fascinating what you can get done with a person that's not even attached to your business because they can have awkward conversations with future client or current client or scheduling or the, thing, the mundane tasks. They can be automated through someone else that actually wants to make the money to do nothing. Sure. That was kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying there's options. There are options. There's yes, options. We're smarter, not harder. <laughs> So team culture is a huge thing, and it it comes up over and over again, probably because I'm extremely passionate about it. Um, I think almost every episode we've had on the podcast comes up in culture somehow. Team culture is super important. And as I was just saying, I had two two, um, people on my team walk out when I put up my team culture for the first time. Sent out an email to the whole team. 
And then we also attached a personality test to it. Mm-hmm. And I said that, you know, by Monday, I want this signed off that you read it. And let's do the personality test. And these two people didn't do the personality test. So I waited a week. And I went and asked them, hey, what, what's up with the personality test? Well, I meant to talk to you. I can't live up to your culture. And I was dumb enough to just blurt this out. But I was like, well, is it the kindness or the honesty part that you can't live up to? Because that's really all that's in my culture. And anyway, they didn't, they refrained from answering and both of them gone. And they both had the same remark, like, we can't live up to your culture. They've been in the business for a year and I'd had people leave because of them. And I had such high hopes for what their capabilities were. And I think the takeaway from culture is it gives somebody a backbone or an alignment to your, your belief in what the business is going to be. And it's like the guiding light or something to that effect. Uh, We always refer to it. If there's a problem in the company, oh, let's just go look at the culture. And instantly, it's that right there. Just need to act like an owner. Do do your thing. You know, don't don't be scared to fail. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Sorry, could, I, no, that's fine. Clearly, I mean, I'm passionate here, yeah, and I love it. And you're a people person, um, so there. Okay, like there's always like several things to all these answers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'll focus on now is. You're right. Culture is the guiding light for the entire business. Mm-hmm. And when you do have, so back to that person that had to fire the other, the, the, the employee, uh, that employee had great skills. And that was the piece that kept that owner from firing that person. Well, their skills are so great and they really know what they're doing when they do it right. And, um, but they're just a jerk. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so culture is the guiding light. And once you have this vision of where you want your company to go, a very clear vision, and not only just like it, have it written down, but like who's going to be with you? How does that feel? What kinds of things are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be? Where's this business going to be? All these, all these different questions, right? Then you start looking inside yourself and say, okay, why? Why do I want to do this? And we all talk about, well, what's your why? <laughs> but actually sitting down and figuring out what that why is and the core values that come behind that because each person has values. And if we can match those values to whoever we end up hiring, mm-hmm. oh, like... It's pretty cool. Oh, it's so amazing. It because incre- everybody sees that vision and they all want to work towards it together. Absolutely. That- the one thing that I noticed as soon as I had culture, it changed the way I hired. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, I didn't, I quit, I 100% quit hiring for skills. I get people that are competent in the skill set that I need. I'm looking for candor, I'm looking for kindness, and I've, I'm like a massive repeat. Did you read the culture? Matter of fact, we put the culture in our job description, and then on the employment part of our website, first thing you read is the culture statement. And the first email they get from me when they apply, if I'm interested in the person, did you read our culture statement? And if it's not a yes, it, it, it's not going to work out, period. And we've had massive success. They haven't been the best yet, but we can train to be better at the skill than you can to train them to have a good attitude. Yes, exactly. Again, values are very ingrained in us, so they're very hard to change. Yep. But skills are they can be easy to teach. And the one thing I've learned too, my culture is my culture. That's why this podcast exists because there's a DNA in everybody's business. It was built by a human for humans. 
So there's a story there. My business has a story and that evolved to my culture. If you don't get hired by somebody because of simply the culture, there is another business in the same lane that will hire you because it fit, you fit their culture. So it could be an owner thing. I don't know. Right. Well, and the beautiful thing about when people leave. So when you have clarified what your culture is and then two people leave, right? Uh, while, it's, while it can seem sad or frustrating or like, gosh, maybe I failed at something, really, it just opens the door for them to find something that is a fit because we know that that person was probably not very happy mm-hmm. within the company that they were working for. So if we understand that and say, oh, that person has the, these values and they don't match with me, let me, some owners even help somebody else find a culture that matches what their values are. Good idea. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. I need to go out to lunch with more of my competitors. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then I'll have a place to send people when they really need the job. You only ask them their positive, their positive core values, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a book I'll recommend. I haven't done that yet on the podcast, but it's called Simply Awesome. Hmm. Um, it's all about mission, vision, and culture. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I have to say, I really commend you on your, your culture journey. Because I know it was a long trek for you and, and the fact that you have such clarity. A lot of businesses have a written culture, but they don't actually live by it. So good job. Gotta, thank you. Got to live by it. And I still feel like there's massive failures on that because as much as I live by it, I sound like a broken record. Um, the mission statement, I've heard it's actually in the book Simply Awesome. Um, your mission statement should be repeated before every meeting, every time. It should be plastered on your wall in two places in your company. It should be at the end of every email to your team. When you're tired of saying your mission statement, you should say it again. That's right. (laughs) That's right. You keep on saying it. You wrote it for a reason. You might as well say it. (laughs) And as I say all this, it was in a book I read. As I say all this, I think I've said it four times in the last five months. Hmm. Time to fix that. Moving forward. Okay. And we're back. (laughs) Moving on. So what are some of the things that you've found to be pain points in the businesses you've coached over the years? Like, um, I don't know, not necessarily stats, but maybe an overall theme or, and not, it doesn't have to be failures. It could be good things. You know what I mean? It's what is from the mind of Kendra in eight years (laughs) of coaching. Pain points. All right. Some of the pain points that people have had are not understanding their numbers. Ooh, I hate numbers, right. but I love numbers now. So then we I still delegate. need to learn. So then, then I teach you and then you delegate <laughs> <laughs> to the person that can help you with that. Um, numbers, yeah. Like, un- okay, understanding the score of your business. You've got a basketball team playing. If the scoreboard's not up there and nobody knows what the score is, number one, who's going to watch it? Number two, how are they going to know who's winning or if they're winning? Like, there's just so many factors to understanding those numbers, right? So having a mastery of just that understanding of what is my gross profit margin percentage? That is a key number that a lo- most business owners don't know. And it's, it's like another guiding principle for them to understand what the next decision is that they're going to make. Like, do I hire now? Am I profitable? You can't just look at your bank account and say, well, I have a little bit more money than I spent this month, so uh, I should probably, you know, make a buying decision. No, knock it off. 
uh, another pain point that they have. Um, Does anyone listening have anxiety right now? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm getting pretty good at this stuff, but I still, like, you start saying things like that, and it's like, oh, crud. I do not like the way I feel right now. Anyway, I'm being really transparent. I'm I'm not trying to... Oh gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. This is why why you hire a coach. It is why you're driving the yes. driving the point home. Yeah, it's worth it, a, guys. Somebody, it's worth it. Somebody gave me a review and they said sometimes she tells me the things that I don't want to hear, mm-hmm. uh, and but then I do it and and it makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm like, yes, okay. I cut you off at number two. That's okay. Another pain point people have going back to the why, mm-hmm. like the why in the road. Yeah, not, not the I'm finding my way. <laughs> the way in the road. Um, do I hire? How do I hire? Who do I hire? Well, what if I can just do it better myself? That's a whole other topic. Um, we'll, we'll go there. We'll get another show and do it again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole hiring process, I have figured out a really good process, which also includes the culture statement kind of like what you said but I have I have figured out a really good hiring process to help bring in the right people and not only that but attract applicants the mm-hmm. right applicants where I know a lot of businesses have struggled with that um, another I one. love how you just left us hanging <laughs> <laughs> another reason you coach <laughs> another reason <laughs> uh, let's see what else just feel overwhelmed. Yeah. So they've gotten themselves, again, okay, here's a stat for you. 74% of business owners, they want to be craftspeople within their business. They don't actually want to grow. But the ones that do want to grow, like we call them freedom fighters or mountain climbers, the ones that do want to grow, they start to feel overwhelmed and they recognize that when that they're, they made themselves so busy working in their job or in their company that they have given themselves another job. So here they get away from a job. They open a company to be an owner. They give themselves another job and they're working 50 to 70 or 80 or 90 or 120 hours a week. I heard Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago (laughs) and they're just at that point where they're like, Oh man, I'm getting, I'm feeling burned out. And, and I lost sight of this whole vision that I had two or three years ago what do I do now? And then they're so busy that they don't even think they have enough time for coaching. And I'm like, well, you don't have enough time not to. So you better, mm-hmm. you better make the decision. <laughs> I know. Over the years, I've uncovered little hidden secrets in business that um, almost angered me in the, in the moment because why didn't I know about this when I needed it, right? I found out about it when I didn't need it and it would have helped them. It does help now, but... The government's never going to tell you, um, oh, you're having tax problems? You should go and look right here. You find it out after you hire a tax attorney, and they turn you on to this book, and then this book tells you this, and then there it is right there on the IRS website. Is there a, it, being very hypothetical, I'm trying to get... Trying That's to get, why tax attorneys are so wealthy. <laughs> they're smart like that. Yes. Is there any re- resources you recommend to help business owners gain perspective on how to get help? Like free resources, things that they should have access to even before they're coaching and while they're coaching. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really depends on what state or city you live in as far as what resources are provided. I know in the early 2000s when I was trying to help somebody else open a business, 
it was really, really tough to find resources and to know who to call. Uh, so kind of keeping it local to Spokane, SNAP is very helpful. Mm. SNAP has a women's business center um, to help people just kind of get started. Uh, definitely talking to a CPA, mm. you know, having, having a conversation with the CPA, and they can help the formation. Um, really, I would say for a startup company, one of the biggest pieces of, of advice that I could give them is to have the willingness to put out some money to get it started. Mm-hmm. So many people focus on just trying to save dollars because they're like, well, I don't know if it's going to work. There's a couple of basic things. If it's marketable and if they're willing to get out there, it can work, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so put the money out towards a, a good CPA. Put the money out towards uh, maybe SCORE in Spokane. They have some mentors that are willing to, you know, do, do a little bit of help. And then SNAP. Um, the Spokane Library has... Uh, really good resources if you want to create a business plan. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So they, and it's free. You have to get on a list. So there's sometimes a waiting period and, and I, you know, I can connect people with, with the library if they want to. Um, yeah. I mean, th- those would be the, the three main things I would say is snap score the library and talking to a CPA. Oh, and then talk to an attorney, like a, like a business attorney that can help them with the documents that they need in order to get started. And then, of course, a coach. Get a coach. Put it in the budget. You <laughs> did it again. The, the importance of coaching is so immense. It's, it's so helpful. Um, just talking about a business attorney, that used to be an overwhelming thought in my mind. I would, you know, I don't know why it just was, but um, later on in business, $150 for an hour seems like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But what was it that you were telling about your, the uh, value of time, your value of oh, your value of time, value of time, put it in perspective. Are you going to read a legal document in one hour? No. If you're a business owner in any kind of space other than attorneys, um, you're going to read that 10 times. You're going to research what in the world that word means. Why does it fit there? Because you need to know. It would take an attorney 20 minutes to read it over, make sure it's okay, and answer any questions you have in less than an hour. And it's 150 bucks, and you get your time back. And you have peace of mind. Peace of mind. That you're not, you know, I mean, if you do get sued, at least you have some protection. Yeah. You have something to fall back on, 100%. Especially... Oh, I got to tell you, especially if you are planning on having a partner in your business, get an attorney and get a coach. First, get the coach. Have go spend the money to go through the process of finding out if you're even going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I that I decided to do was become DISC certified. So I don't know if you know much about the DISC, but um, but that is a very it's a very in depth and very important piece to it gives us like a 55 page report of behaviors and motivators from from each person mm-hmm. how to communicate with each other like how that person can communicate with the world how somebody else can communicate with them how they appear under stress so many different things so i have used that specifically just for partnerships like potential partnerships like hey i'm putting all this money and i invited this friend to be a partner with me and 
yada, 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 yada. And then it comes down to it, and, and we're like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> don't even start there. Like, and, and I don't tell them that, but they come to the they conclusion. They come to the conclusion. Yes. Like, oh, maybe this partnership isn't that good. But, man, can you imagine how much time and effort and money and just so many things half your life could that could save just by knowing up front? It's crazy. And then you get an attorney that can walk through the legal documents if it, if it is going to work. A good partnership is when values align and there's value in what they're bringing to the table that you don't have. And then you're mutually invested in getting it to grow and make you both money. When there's money involved, like a contribution from one of the owners and the other one doesn't contribute, but they offer their time and their talent, that's when it gets ugly and never works well. It can, and I would argue that a startup, that would probably be a good solution, but a, 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 moving, a business is moving the needle going forward and there's an idea of a partnership, definitely think twice and then go do your research. Uh, not necessarily like background stuff. It's like, is it going to be worth it for the finance financing that's coming into the business sure obviously i've been burned yeah <laughs> is what tell. it is I, I, I don't i don't think it's necessarily burned but um it was a it wasn't what i thought experience right it was a learning experience it wasn't what i thought it was going to be and honestly to, to my partner's um credit i don't think they knew what they were getting into either because we didn't know each other necessarily we knew we needed each other age differences, generation differences, the thing, you know, enthusiasm based off of reality, you know, the difference, it's, it was two guys and we, we were literally husband and wife in business, you know, just. Well, you kind of have to act like, you kind of have to think to yourself. Got to get real. Man, like, do I want to see this person every day? It is kind of like a marriage. Yeah. So, yeah. so going back, would you say that if you had sat down with somebody and, we're able to gain that much clarity between the two of you as to whether or not that partnership was going to work up front. Would that have been helpful? I think I would have probably pushed back because I okay. wanted it. Okay. I needed it. I needed it mentally. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't care about the money and it wasn't much money. Looking back, I was stupid. I tripped hard on that one. I could have got a lot more money and it would have probably, it would have probably put a lot more emphasis on the input they would have put in as far as, help and effort um i would have pushed back because it was new and exciting i would have to say that would be the red flag if you're getting over the moon excited that you're at the point where you're not sleeping because you're so excited you better get an attorney get some outside counsel of some sort to take a look at this thing and just listen you don't have to say yes or no just listen and then go with your gut if i would have been if i would have been walked down the edge a little bit and seen it at a different level than what I was seeing it, it would have probably changed the outcome, 100%. True, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a hard one. I'm an opportunist. If, if I see opportunity, I'm going there, and I'll go hard, and it doesn't mean sure. money. Well, and it's one thing if, if you're looking at this partnership seeing, saying, oh, you know what, if it works for a while, that's great, and then if, if in a short time mm -hmm. uh, we decide to separate, that's okay. Like, that's all I right. should have been in there. Should have been in the paperwork. It should have been, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I have also worked with clients that owned very large companies, tens of millions of dollars, and they have, they've worked together 15, 20 years, and they didn't have a buy-sell agreement. 
So what happens to that business when, if somebody does get hit by a bus, right? Mm -hmm. Or dies or gets sick or whatever, they don't have clarity. I mean, I'm not going to give the answer because I'm not an attorney, but I understand, (laughs) but, um, they don't have the clarity of, well, if my partner dies, what am I going to do? And is this other person going to come in and try to change things or, the answer is yeah. yes, yeah. they're going to. Yeah. It needs to be in there. It should almost be an addendum or a, um, yeah, there should be something <laughs> deep down that mm-hmm. that's a long conversation to have. So what is your vision of the future of a small business? Like we always hear small businesses is the backbone of America. Mm-hmm. What's your vision of that in the next five years of future? Mm, good question. Um, <laughs> kind of putting you on the spot there. <laughs> and not a crystal ball answer. It's yeah. like just... Based on what you know now, what do you kind of see things looking like? Sure. Uh, What I have seen in the the last couple of years Mm -hmm. is a very large increase in the amount of people that want to start small businesses. Again, um, you know, COVID, I I know COVID had something to do with it. You know, they, when it comes to culture, uh, culture, so the two biggest reasons that people leave companies, right? Culture and management. Let's give you the answer. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. And so during COVID, when people thought, whatever they thought, you know, I'm going to die or, you know, the, whatever mm-hmm. their beliefs were during that time, um, they had the idea, man, you know what? Life is short. And so what I saw were several businesses that already had a, a rough culture, and it was kind of like opening a can of worms. Mm-hmm. People just mass left the terrible companies. Not, not that that, not that every company loses all their good employees, but we just put that out there. <laughs> but um, anyway, so a lot of people decided, well, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm going to open a business, yada yada. Now, what I'm seeing is an, kind of another wave of people saying, "Okay, I tried it out. Don't really know that I like this. I might go back to a, a, a job." Um, so I'm kind of seeing a wave of business ownership kind of waning again. Mm -hmm. But also there's more coming through. Mm -hmm. And the younger generation, there's a lot more focus on leadership and business ownership and MBAs. A lot more people are taking business courses. So like you're right, I don't have a crystal ball, but I do believe that small business is always going to be part of the backbone. Agreed. And it's it's almost honorable once you've made it past the second the two-year, one-month mark. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> you kind of feel like you've got you've earned your way in, and now how do I keep on going? You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you just brought up COVID. Like, what are your thoughts on remote work? Okay, so there's a couple of different schools of thought on that. One is many people are much more productive at home. Interesting. And some people are less productive at home. So that just comes back to values. And that also comes back to how clear is the vision of the company and did that owner find the right people for the right seats in that company? Uh, I have heard stories about business owners saying, well, we're past COVID now, so you need to come back to the office. And some people are saying, "Mm, you know what? I'm way more productive at home and I don't like this idea. And why would I waste time driving? Mm -hmm. So they'll leave. Um, So I would challenge 
business owners, and there's some generational stuff here that you know I could get into at some point. Let's but, do it. No, I'm just right? kidding. <laughs> um, uh, as far as beliefs and you know traditions and yada yada. Um, but I would challenge business owners to really look again at the vision of their company, where they want to take it, and does that position truly need that employee to come back into the office full time? Um, so, like again, like I hate to keep going back to this, but that's a coaching thing. Agreed. That's a Agreed. like let's look at all these different factors and why this person doesn't want to come back, and is it actually a detriment to the company? Are they more productive at home or are they standing at the water cooler in the office for half the day um, because or maybe just experiencing a lot of distractions in the office where they're not getting their stuff done? It's interesting. It's so fascinating. This whole the whole shift on that is fascinating. I do know Apple four days a week now. They're requiring everybody to be in office four days a week. Amazon's having all kinds of trouble in Seattle because four days a week and now people are having to spend their money to come out you know they built their budgets around not traveling (laughs) it created a wrinkle in a lot of people's lifestyles Mm -hmm. and there were people overseas that were working remote and they had to come back home on short notice to get to work (laughs) you know what it kind of reminds me of is the whole story about bill gates like his journey and how he was at the right like right time right age to make a decision about technology that really propelled him forward. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if business owners lose sight of the potential and the positive aspects of hybrid work or remote work, or if it has to be in person that everybody agrees to that, then they could really miss out on some good opportunities. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. What are your thoughts on networking? Well, it kind of depends on the industry um, that you're that you're in, uh, but connections are one of the biggest pieces of a successful business. So whether that's networking or some other kind of connections, that's mm-hmm. fine. But man, networking can be really, really impactful and very powerful. So, what would you tell the introverted business owner? Get out there. Just do it. Yeah. One of the things that I focus on during networking. Um, And I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have. I just wanted to do it because I've been there before Mm -hmm. where I was the new guy and you walk into a room full of people and you you look around and 75% of people know each other really well and they're kind of standing in these groups. So, uh, So I will make it a point to walk up to the person that's maybe sitting down or just kind of looking around the room like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. But the one piece of advice I would give to somebody, anybody that's going to walk into a networking room is walk in there with intention. Mm -hmm. Walk in there with a goal. Um, You don't have to be 1983 salesy and say, well, I'm going to make five sales today. (laughs) But depending on on what you're doing, but walk in there with the intention to say, I'm going to make three connections today. Wonderful. Break it down into something that's really manageable for you. I'm going to walk up to four people and say hi. Mm -hmm. As an introverted person, that's a lot. Yeah. That's right? a that's a sweating game. Mm-hmm. Like that's brutal. Or smile. Mm-hmm. Just okay. My goal today, if you're really introverted and this is really t- difficult for you, my goal today is to sit at the table and smile at three people. Wonderful. That's a really good start. And then you go again. Yeah. Just like work, working out. 
you go again the next time, and then maybe you smile at five people. Maybe your goal is to say hi to one person, but just work your way into it. Yeah. And you'll soon realize that nobody's going to bite you. No one's going to bite. Nobody's going to harass you. Every fear I've had at networking, I just assume eventually that they have the same fears. And oh, it, sure. if you just go introduce yourself to somebody, you're going to end up with a business card. So what do you do with a business card? I hit LinkedIn right away and I make a connection so they don't forget my face, which is good probably job. a good idea if they forget my face. <laughs> but LinkedIn connections are huge because you can revisit that conversation. And let's say you emailed them, they didn't get back and you forgot who it was. You can always go back to LinkedIn and see who you followed in the last month. Mm-hmm. So there's always a way there. But anyway, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, we should I actually teach classes on networking. Do you really? So what would you tell a future business owner thinking of starting up in the Inland Northwest? Good question. Well, all of my experience is in the Inland Northwest because I grew up here and I live here and I play here. Um, My observation is that people in this area are very friendly, um, but they also have very strong values. Mm -hmm. So... Be ready for the weather <laughs> in the Inland Northwest yes. if you're not from here. Um, do your market research. Understand where you're going to put. If you're, if you're going to have a brick-and-mortar business, um, do your market research and make sure that you're putting it in the right spot, especially with the weather and depending on the industry that you have. Um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, just be willing to get out there. And say hi. Again, like going back to networking, right? Just be willing to create visibility in this, in this town because people are friendly. So if someone has a dream of starting a business as an investment or a passion but has been wondering how to start, what advice would you give them? Simple advice. Create a plan, create a vision, and go for it. Money. I love it. You're literally quoting half of our guests. I would imagine, because that's the right answer. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I love it. Um, What would you say to encourage a business owner in our community to inspire them to just keep on going? They made it to two years in one month. Okay. We all go through difficult times. We all go through ups and downs, and we all make mistakes. So just take the information that you can and learn from it and keep on moving forward. Do not give up. Well said. Love it. Any advice from your experience you would give a current or future business owner in our region? So this is not necessarily just simple advice. This is from your ongoing career experience. could be life in general. Do you want a deep story? Sure. Okay. Do we have time? Quick, I don't know. Do we have time? I do. Okay, I have time. Um, okay, back to the brewery days, right? Okay. Okay, so I'm working for 911 at this time. I'm a single mom. I've got four kids. Uh, times are really tough. And I, I thought to myself, gosh, I just need to stay at 911, even though the hours were terrible, and I hardly ever got to see my kids because I had terrible days off. And we, we uh, changed shifts every six months. Um, but I wanted to start this brewery. 
And so we go through the process and I'm terrified, absolutely terrified. I'm like, oh, like how do I take care of kids if I'm not going to have benefits? I'm responsible for all this stuff and this money and yada, yada, right? And unfortunately, what it took for me to make the decision to, to start the business and to just jump in with both feet was the death of my mom. Oh, no. She, in 2016, so we had, we had been doing the brewery for about two years, right? Kind of part-time, just as like this fun thing. But we, we were like, oh, this needs to be a full-time thing. But when? When do you do it? When do you pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. When do you jump in with both feet? And it was a very, very sudden thing. And she spent about two weeks in Harborview. And, um, you know, it was just a terrible, terrible experience. And that was the moment where I said, oh my gosh, life is short. What am I doing? So I quit. I quit 911 and I jumped in with both feet. And so that advice is life is short. Why wait? Do it now. Don't take, don't make it take the death of a loved one or some trauma or some traumatic experience happen in your life to make that decision. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. There's a lot of life lessons, like I've been saying. There's a story with every business that is connected to the DNA of it of its logo. And that is a very good testament to integrity and how you've gotten to today. So it's awesome. Not It's not awesome, but I'm... Oh, well, I don't want it to take those kinds of things to happen to other people. Right to help them make that decision. Most of it does. Sad, but true. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I was asking, when was the switch turned on that you became an entrepreneur? Some people are just born naturally with it. And I would argue anyone that's successful as an entrepreneur was born with it. They just weren't awakened to it yet. But maybe, and and you're right. A lot of times it does take a traumatic experience and Mm -hmm. we have resiliency to turn around and say, okay, this was really hard mm-hmm. and I got through it and this is what I learned from it and look at these amazing things I'm going to do now. Totally. It's good. Hard lessons learned are sometimes the best things that could ever happen to a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get really personal. Okay. What do you love most about Spokane? I love the scenery here. I love the mountains. I love the lakes. Um, I love the Four Seasons. I tried for many, many years to get out of Spokane. And then when I was in my early 40s, I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place to stay. Yeah. And it, I think every single guest has said the exact same thing. It's Probably. four seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to eat in Spokane? If you're coaching restaurants, that can't be part of the equation. I know, right? Let me give you a shout out. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I love I love really good barbecue. Sweet. Any place in particular? There's no wrong answer when it comes to barbecue. I know. Um, I really like TTs. Oh yeah, TTs is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad White. Oh, you know, you know another place I just love. I love Ambrosia. Ambrosia. Ambrosia Bistro. And the owner, Scott Cook, he has a great story. I will look into that. <laughs> so TT's 
Zona Blanca have gotten more shout outs on this podcast than any other restaurant. Um, so specifically Chad White. Zona Blanca is in our building. It smells amazing in your half the day. It's insane. Get hungry at two o'clock. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chad. Thanks, Chef. <laughs> we gonna get we gotta get Chef Chad White on the show. I think we could have a lot of fun. I'll have to check that out. Uh, favorite coffee shop? Hmm. There's no wrong. It, it it can be anywhere. It can be any. It can be any place. We have had Jacobs. Oh, I have a story. Okay. Um, <laughs> I really like First Avenue Coffee. To be quite awesome. honest, awesome. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome in there. Favorite activity in Spokane or Coeur d'Alene? I love to paddleboard. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I can see that. It is a an excellent way to just get out and not think. It's fantastic. So center balance, is it all core? A lot of it, yeah. yeah. It uses all the little muscles that you don't use every day. Sore when you're done? Mm, you use them anymore. every day. You use them every day then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kayaked for the first time last year, and I was sore for a week. Oh, gosh. I was so Well, I've, being a tall person or a, a man of height, <laughs> and it's mostly torso, mm-hmm. your, your center of gravity is all messed up in a Costco kayak. Oh, okay. I can <laughs> it's a, see that. It's a one-size-fits-all. <laughs> when you look at it on the shelf, you think nothing of it. You get out in the water, and ooh, it's going to tip. Oh, gosh, so you have to spend your whole time. You're figuring out how to paddle and stay still. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a life skill. <laughs> so are there any books that you've read that you would recommend to anyone listening to this podcast that would help them in business or life? Okay. Anything by John Maxwell. Anything about leadership. Also, anything by uh, Marshall Goldsmith. For the ladies, for women, there is an excellent book called How Women Rise by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith. Um, It talks more about careers, like women in careers, and basically like what you've done in the past won't necessarily get you to where you want to go in the future. Oh, interesting. Which is also very... Uh, related to business ownership, right? Uh, brewing beer is not going to get you business ownership in the future. Hmm. Um, but for women in particular, not every single woman, and not, and and it's not that men never experience these things, but there are specific habits that in women in particular really struggle with that keeps them kind of stuck. Interesting. It's a very interesting book. And that's uh, How Women Rise. Mm-hmm. And the last one I would say is The Go-Giver. Ooh, I've heard this one before. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for making it this far in the podcast. I feel like if you're still awake, which I guarantee you are, you deserve a thank you. That's a, a lot to listen to, and I hope we brought you the value expected. Kendra, where can people find Perfectus on the Internet? www.perfectusbusiness.com and you can schedule a call with me there. So shout out to all the listeners that have made it this far. If you have a topic or an interview or someone you'd like to have on the show, please send an email. We have the connections. Find us at podcast at btsnw.com. And if you're interested in sharing your own business story, we'd love to hear from you and see if it's a fit for our show. Visit our website at btsnw.com or hit us again at podcast at btsnw.com. 
Find us on all the socials. We can't wait to see you. Catch you on the next one.